Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, Brad Gray, and this is episode number 26. And in today's episode, I have the esteemed privilege of sitting down and talking with Nicholas Davis. Nicholas is a man of many hats. He pastors Redemption Church in San Diego, California. He also works as the lead editor and curator for White Horse Inn, and he's also a core writer for Core Christianity. And in this episode, Nick and I seek to speak to just that reality, the bivocational minister, and the common pitfalls that come along with working in that way. We also speak to the significance of Christian writing and offer helpful advice for other young writers. I think you're going to love this episode and find many encouraging bits on the beauty of God's mercy that condescends to our mess. Today's show, of course, is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, which inspires lifelong discipleship and helps readers make a deeper connection with God's Word. To find out more about the Christian Standard Bible, go to csbible.com. Now, for Nicholas. Well, thanks for coming on, uh, Nick. I, uh, I can't remember how we got connected on social media, but uh, I really have really thrived on the stuff that you write and all the stuff that you share. And so um, so let's just start uh, kind of right there just by um, introducing yourself and kind of what you're doing out there in San Diego. Just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure, Brad. Thanks for having me on the, the yeah. podcast. I uh, appreciate you asking me. Yeah, um, so we live in uh, San Diego County and I'm a uh, bivocational uh pastor or bivocational editor. I don't know whatever side you want to flip <laughs> that. Um, I basically have a split role there. So I'm full-time, but I am full-time at, at, um, at the office. And then, uh, I also work as a, as a pastor and I have a call, uh, in the Presbyterian church in America, PCA and, uh, yeah, minister to a local congregation. That's, That's basically awesome. good. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And I know, I know you are, a pretty busy guy, um, as you were just mentioning, uh, you are writing, you are editing, you are pastoring, you are husbanding, you are fathering. <laughs> so let's just kind of start at the beginning, uh, sure. sort of. Let's uh, let's talk about your role at uh, Redemption Church in San Diego and kind of how you came to pastor there. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was previously ministering up in Irvine, so that's another story, maybe for another time. Uh, <laughs> driving all the way up there. Uh, that was uh, my first college, which was, was just fantastic uh, congregation. And then um, through a college friend, I got connected with uh, a church 
much more local for us since we were living, uh, you know, in San Diego. And, um, yeah, the, the church, um, basically we, we got to, uh, talking more about ministry and, you know, where we are and, um, they had, uh, they had us, uh, kind of go through the whole interview process and all of that. And we came on staff back in, uh, the beginning of January of 2017. And, um, I came on as uh, one of two pastors at Redemption, uh, San Diego. And, uh, I take about 50 to 60% of the preaching load. Um, so it's like 28, 29 Sundays out of the year. Um, I could probably do more, but, uh, I would blow my mind. <laughs> my wife wouldn't appreciate that too much, uh, since I'm bivocational. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I do all the, the normal pastor duties that people do, you know, visits and session meetings, staff meetings, leadership training, discipleship, um, planning, you know, all the millions of things that pastors have to do that, you know, you don't necessarily always want to do, but you need to do. So. For sure. Yeah. Well, and, uh, that's, that's, uh, let me ask you this uh, though. Like when, when did you, have you always considered yourself to be someone that was going to go into ministry? Has this always been something that you kind of grew up, uh, thinking about? No, yeah. not at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't really want, yeah. I didn't want to go do anything in ministry, um, from childhood. I, I grew up in uh, Calvary chapel, kind of context and then left the faith, uh, Christianity in high school and, uh, ended up coming back around to, uh, believing, uh, the gospel in college. And, um, yeah, from there that, that, that kind of changed, it reoriented how I looked at a lot of things. I kind of reexamined what I was doing, changed my major from psychology to philosophy to kind of prepare for, you know, maybe more academic or pastoral work. So I was never really sure which I'd wanted to do and figured I'd figure it out later in life. And uh, here we are. So. <laughs> now that's cool. It's, it's interesting to see how God takes us on that path. You know, I, yeah, <laughs> my sort of journey has been one that's kind of more like a prodigal son. I grew up in a pastor's home uh, my whole life. So I was always in ministry. I was always in the church and I sort of, resented the idea of becoming a pastor because I was a pastor's kid. And then now I'm sort of on that track again, because, you know, God always draws you back to himself. So uh, it's really interesting to look back and uh, just kind of see all the little ways that God kind of works in your life. Um, and, and I know that you um, received your, your MDiv, I think from Westminster, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Yeah. And as, so I'm um, personally, as someone who's sort of, in the, I guess, sort of preliminary phases and researching phases of seminary, can you just uh, maybe just talk about um, your experience there and how sort of seminary has kind of prepared you for what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I did seminary for about four years. I worked throughout seminary as well, and my wife did, um, just to kind of, you know, prevent massive debt while you're going through seminary and other stressor <laughs> in life on top sure. of all the studies, but yeah, it's uh, Westminster's uh, rigorous seminary, um, strong emphasis on languages, which man, those are tough. Uh, so I don't know what seminary you're planning on going to, but, um, yeah, languages will get you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, fantastic faculty. Um, many of whom are, are, are good friends and, uh, all kind of, you know, in the neighborhood as it were. So 
get some time with people and uh um yeah i just love i love the uh the face-to-face aspect at westminster um you know you really do get to know your professors pretty well and they are involved in your life in a, in a way that i think you know you can do online education you can do other forms you know but but that's kind of a nice nice aspect of westminster um, sure. it would be cool to have some more flexibility and, and to be able to take you know something with your favorite theologian across the world or something like that but um but you know it's a it's a solid seminary and um kind of what led me to entering there was just you know i went to San Diego state and out of college was living in san diego and it was it was close you know um mm-hmm. and my fiance at the time currently who's my wife uh she lived uh here in san diego as well so it was kind of a no-brainer <laughs> what what we should be doing yeah but i'm sure. really glad we ended up here and uh yeah we've kind of never left so <laughs> now you mentioned earlier that you were a you're you're a bivocational guy you're also you're working at whitehorse Inn. you're doing a lot of stuff there and we'll get to that in a second um i, I have been in that position before as well uh bivocationally youth pastoring and working uh where i still work now um sort of if you can just I don't know, maybe give some other guys some insight into that, just because I know how difficult it is, uh, especially mm-hmm. fathering at the same time. So you're almost like tri-vocational um, Definitely. and it can really stretch you. And so maybe uh, if you can, maybe give us your wisdom <laughs> on how you balance that. I don't know if I have any wisdom to give on that. <laughs> um, it's just kind of buckling down and working as hard as you can and uh, trying to be as efficient as you're able to. So um, thankfully I have, uh, you know, two jobs. At one point I had three, I was also working to the seminary doing some other work, a lot of copywriting kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're extremely busy, you just have to find ways to help, you know, everything kind of come into sync. So um, thankfully, you know, my work at Whitehorse kind of carries over into preaching, preaching carries over into work. It's like, it's all connected in a way that I think if I were, uh, if I were working in a warehouse, like I, I did when I was in seminary for for a period of time or doing something else, or I had a job at BevMo before, you know, doing something that's a little bit disconnected, it can be a little bit hard to, to find ways to do that. There are ways you can listen to a podcast while you're working, if your boss (laughs) will let you, um, stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it definitely depends on what you're doing. So, um, but yeah, just trying to, trying to figure out, um, how to best manage your time. I have a great supportive wife. Um, she's, you know, she's kind of, um, she, she's a, she's a solid planner. She always finds ways to streamline things, uh, for me. And, uh, yeah, we just try to make sure we're on the same page. So our household's in order and, Hmm. um, it's just always, always going to the next thing though. It's tough. Um, I wouldn't really recommend it if you don't have to do it. I don't think you would either. Right, Brad? No, I, I would not. <laughs> so, not. Uh, but uh, there are, there are nice aspects in the ministry right now to not being, you know, full-time in, in a church setting. Cause I, I have a level of freedom in terms of, you know, I don't really feel like, um, I'm there to please anyone. And I, I mentioned that, you know, not, not like, I'm, Oh, it, everyone should be a, a people pleaser and now all pastors are people pleasers. But I think there's a mentality that uh, a lot of ministers can get into, you know, when you're, when you are laboring in a certain area, um, you can kind of fall into that mentality of, of, Oh, well, 
I might lose my job. So therefore I can't preach on such and such, or I can't say something that's really like burning up inside from God's word. Hmm. And I don't feel that pressure, um, you know, with, with the role that I have, um, you know, if, if I say something that I'm convinced is, is found in God's word, um, I'm going to say it without fear, uh, without fear of job loss or, or, or whatever, you know? So, um, that's been a major benefit of, of being bivocational. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't recommend it to everyone. <laughs> I, uh, I did it earlier in the year because I was kind of forced to. Um, but at the same time, I was transitioning to a new church and I was transitioning into fatherhood. And those are a lot of transitions to make at one time. So I definitely wouldn't recommend all of that at one time. So, uh, But anyways, uh, at any rate... I, but you did it. I did. <laughs> um, at any rate... Uh, I was going to ask you because I just lost my train of thought. Um, no problem. Oh, you were talking about how uh, really it's uh, bivocational. It all just really comes back to just really managing your time uh, well. And um, your uh, sort of status is kind of unique in the sense that, like you said, it all kind of flows uh, together. Um how would you say that um how would you say it's good that you are doing what you are doing uh, what i mean by that is you're in uh you're in sort of the editing writing field and i, I can say for me that a lot of uh, the stuff that i end up writing um mm-hmm. ends up being sort of the basis for what i end up speaking and so that's kind of helped me i don't know if that's your sort of your same sort of um how you approach things i guess mhm yeah, I mean, we're only human, right? So yeah. uh, stuff that we're reading, stuff that we're reflecting on, um, it does shape to some degree, you know, even a simple thing like sermon prep. And and um, if you're spending, you know, 40 to 50 hours a week on editing a bunch of content for a website that's, you know, getting high traffic and that sort of thing, I mean, some of your some of your thoughts are, are burning on that. And, and if there are, if there is any carryover, you know, into what you're preaching on. Um, often there is, I mean, as, especially if, if it's a uh, gospel centered content, there's, there's a really easy way to incorporate both of those and, and to, you know, carry over. So, but yeah, um, sometimes it's not like, uh, we just started a series in judges right now and, uh, you know, it's thin pickings in terms of <laughs> carry over for what we're working on, uh, at the office and, uh, and, and what we're doing at the church. So, just what it is. Sure. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about that. I know that your, your position at Whitehorse is your, your sort of an editor of content and curation. And, um, I, uh, well, first of all, how, how long have you been in that role and sort of describe what that means besides just editing, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. So as editor of content, I, um, I oversee the whole editorial process from, submissions to publishing, um, mm-hmm. you know, like all, basically all our online content. And, uh, you know, we have a, we're, you know, we're, we're an organization, um, uh, a company that are nonprofit of course, but, um, you know, we have, uh, certain standards and expectations as to what we write on and, and, and all that. So I kind of, kind of like the front lines, uh, on that. And then I have other, you know, editors above me who, have a, have another say. It yeah. Matters. So yeah, that's basically how it works. 
Well, and, and in today's sort of um, modern Christian, I guess, for lack of a better word, there's just like a bevy of mm. content out there. There's so many people uh, writing and, and blogging and putting stuff out there. And so as sort of an editor, what would you say is, well, number one, what makes, you know, White Horse Inn and, and Discover sort of unique in that way? And maybe a second follow-up question is what's your, and this is probably a cheesy question, but what's your best piece of advice for young writers who are just trying to, uh, you know, sort of feel their way out in this sort of, you know, because it's, we're so saturated with bloggers and editors or in writers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, so, so to answer your first question, yeah. um, I, you know, what, what makes our content so different? Um, I, I don't know if, if, you know, there's no, uh, copyright on the gospel. So, um, I, you know, I, I, that's a tough one to answer. I mean, I, I think that we are different. I think that what we're trying to do, um, adds a freshness to kind of the blogosphere, the, the, the writing world. And, and we are trying to, um, bring out themes that, you know, are rarely talked about or, um, try to think of different angles, which to take some of the same, you know, mm-hmm. same kind of topics that people are thinking about. And, uh, the other thing we, we do is, you know, we're not always trying to just answer, you know, what is it that everyone's kind of buzzing about on the internet? I mean, sometimes you do that, but um, that's not kind of the, the main diet of, of what we're really focused on. Um, and so in that way, I guess we're a little bit different than kind of what you see trending on a, on a lot of top, uh, top websites today. But, um, yeah. but um, yeah, I don't want to pin myself down into a box there because, you know, sometimes we do run important content that is very sure. relevant today. And uh uh, you know, when, when it, when it kind of matters and, and when we, we have something that adds to the conversation, I think it's important to think about it, you know, too often we're all just chattering and, and spouting off about what we think is, is, uh, going to be <laughs> most valuable to people. But, um, but we really do try to think about what'll best serve our audience. Um, our audience is growing, it's changing all that. Um, but, but how can we best, you know, take kind of like, some of the the best of theology today, some of the best of reformed theology um, from, you know, Re- reformed Orthodox period all the way up to, you know, Mike Horton and, and, and uh, other theologians today um, who are alive, not just the dead guys and uh, make, make their content accessible mm-hmm. um, so that, you know, people in the grocery store could pick up something, read an article for a couple minutes and be edified. For so, sure. Yeah. Well, and that, and, well, just really quick. That's the great thing I found about Discover um, and Core Christianity and all those uh, places is there. It just it makes it so, like you said, accessible and not to use this word in a derogatory sense, but it's easy. It's easy to consume, sure. and it's um, it makes it to where uh, you can really grasp a deep truth in a very uh, easy manner. And I, I think that's why. In that sense, I think that is different. It's, it's, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm more of a long form writer, which I know that is my bane, uh, because I just can't write anything short. <laughs> um, but that's why I really enjoy reading you and all the, all the other great writers over there, just because it's, 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 
uh, encouraging and it's challenging to me that they can get a lot of all that, all that truth in, in such a, such a short, uh, few paragraphs. <laughs> yeah. It takes, uh, it's a lot harder than it looks, uh, to, to do that, to consolidate and, and it's still, uh, yeah, stay on mission of what we're doing. So yeah, sure. but long form's valuable, man. I mean, I, I get a kick out of, uh, well, I, maybe I should hesitate to say this because some people would flip just politically or whatever, but I like reading like the New Yorker, the Atlantic, just because of the long form essay. Uh, first sure. things is another great, you know, thing to read just, just because it's a, it's sort of a recovery of that long form and it takes yeah. a lot. I mean, I barely have time to finish a long essay anymore. <laughs> you know, three kids jumping on my lap and all that, you know, so, and all the other responsibilities that I'm juggling. So it's, it's very hard to just sit down for like two hours to read a very, very long form, you know, essay yeah. and really reflect on it. Um, but, but that, that's valuable as well. It's just, it's just a different thing altogether. So yeah, man, thanks for, thanks for your encouragement. Oh yeah, no problem. But I, just to go back really quick to my second question that we sort of delayed oh, yeah. is uh, what, what would you say though is, you know, it, it is sort of a cheesy question now that I think about it, but what's your sort of best piece of advice for young writers? Cause you know, I have a lot of friends and I'm not saying that I'm not a young writer, but I have a lot of friends who are just sort of kind of entering that game and, and um, they're sort of kind of feeling their way out and into this, you know, this vast <laughs> blogosphere of Christian blogging. And uh, so what, what would you say to the, sort of the young guys? Yeah. Uh, my first thing I'd say is, is, is right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, it sounds really stupid to say, right? Yeah. Just right. Um, but write every day, right? Often, uh, don't publish everything that you write, uh, because not everything that we say is, is worth reading. Mm. Um, it also might not be ready, uh, for people to read. And, uh, also just experientially, God might not be done with you on a particular topic. You know, you know, you might not be able to add anything valuable to a conversation. Like if it's on suffering and you've never really personally gone through much suffering, it's, it's, it's more challenging to write something that is going to really resonate deeply with people, you know, mm -hmm. unless you yourself have, have gone through, um, you know, like Thomas Boston's cro crook in the lot, like <laughs> what crooks have you had in your lot? Um, what has God dealt with, you know, dealt you, but, um, so a lot of people, um, want to write and, and publish books and it's good to have that ambition and, and that desire. And, and I think today a lot of people have it. Um, but I think most people aren't willing to put in the hard work of, of just writing. Um, you know, so kind of like if, if you want to, uh, climb Mount Everest, you have to start with walking Hills, uh, get some basic exercise. Don't just uh, skimp out on that and then try to go climb Everest. It's, you know, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to make it. Mm. Um, so I, th I think, you know, instead of just longing for to kind of be the next best thing and to, to have a, a successful blog or whatever, um, just write, you know, don't care, don't care about uh, the stats don't care about um, who's reading or how many people are following or whatever, all, all those things um, kind of push all of that aside and just, just write um, writers. That's what writers do, right? We write. <laughs> yeah. so, um, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say that like, that's kind of helped me in the sense that um, realizing that I'm not, 
it, when you when you don't write necessarily for an audience, but you write for yourself, I think that's where you often find your voice a little bit faster. Because I think I think sometimes young guys make a mistake, and you know, I'm only 27, so I'm you know, young guys are like two years younger than me. <laughs> no, uh, but you know, like younger guys when they're entering this sort of idea of becoming a writer, it's like you know, they uh, try and write on every single thing. I've seen guys do that where <laughs> they're just writing on every single topic they possibly can uh, from you know, politics to sports to uh, film to whatever. And it takes a while, uh, but eventually I think they realize that they can find their voice in one of those. And I think for me, that was surely the case. Uh, um, not publishing everything and finding your voice, I think, are uh, really important to sort of kind of honing uh, what you end up because uh, th then you find out what you're passionate about. Right. I'm really passionate about uh, grace just because I, I know how much I, I dang need it. And so uh, when you find that out uh, you can, you end up the words kind of just kind of flow. You don't have to like, force them. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to force them out of you. <laughs> yeah. And, and some, and some, you know, some people you, you might need to, for a while, you may need to force yeah. words out onto onto a page or on, however you do it. I mean, some people, you know, just like typing. Uh, some people like handwriting. I don't know. I mean, that's that's a thing too, right? You gotta get your moleskin out. Uh, <laughs> is that what the kids do these days? Right? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, just so setting a setting a low bar. Um, you know, two hundred words a day. I'm just gonna, you know, say say you have a you know sixty hour you know work week or something or eighty hours. Um, you're bivocational. Uh, how do you find time to write? Well, you just have to start writing. So any, any kind of free time you have, you know, set aside whether it's 10 minutes or 30 minutes uh, just to get words on a page. Um, I think for the last, last five years, I've written about 200,000 words a year. Oh, wow. Um, something like that. And a lot of it's just junk and <laughs> <laughs> like it, I wouldn't share it with anyone. Um, you know, but it's just the, the habit of, of free writing and, and finding your stride, like you said, finding your voice. Um, that's super important. Um, so that, you know, the next 200,000 or 300,000 or 10 words you write will be more valuable to Christ's bride. Um, you know, because of that, 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 that just habit of writing. Um, I guess another piece of advice, um, that I'd give is, is to, I don't want to be misunderstood here. Um, but, uh, write drunk and ed edit sober. Um, <laughs> some people thought Hemingway said that others don't, I don't know who said it, but, um, endorsing debauchery here. Um, it's a figure of speech. So, so write in a passionate fury, put everything that you want to say out there for people and then go back through. And instead of being a writer now read through it as an editor mm. and then take a third time and be a reader. And just see, see how, how would someone who's never, you know, seen your title and your, what you wrote, um, you know, how would they perceive it? How would they feel when they're reading it? Mm. Um, I think that's a really good habit. It takes extra work. You know, a lot of people don't want to put the work in, but, um, your editors will thank you. Like if you submit something to me, I will thank you <laughs> if you take <laughs> the time to do that. Um, your readers will like you and, uh, you'll probably have a lot less regrets about what you said on the internet too. So, um, I think everybody would be, you know, would benefit from that. Yes. And I can 
testify firsthand how hard it is to edit yourself. I don't know. I'm sure you face that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> for some reason, uh, writers are very, and I can say this because I consider myself one are very uh, attached to the words that they submit and yeah. they don't want that sentence to leave because they think it's really amazing. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> sometimes you have to let, let that go. go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's really hard sometimes because <laughs> you you uh, looked up that word and you found this awesome synonym for it. So now you have to put it in your in your piece or whatever. <laughs> right. The vocab word of the day. You got to use it. <laughs> um, yeah. um, one one question I did have for you because um, you said that you know I mean and I know that this to be true that you know Discover and Whitehorse aren't just you know <laughs> seeking out the most relevant topic of the day and trying to. Uh, write, you know, awesome and a bevy of thing pieces on that topic or whatever. But there is, I think, a benefit to um, being sort of a public voice for sort of what some people are thinking, uh, especially with some of the things that have gone on in our country, not only Mm -hmm. recently, but over the last several years. And I would say that it sort of brought in and um, an enhanced importance on writing. And I th- would say, especially blogging it uh, just because of the nature of the internet and everything. So um, why would you, why, why would you say though, that, that, that Christian uh, blogging especially has become so I would say significant and important uh, in the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I think um, yeah, I was kind of thinking about this as a driving work to work today. Um, but with the rise of yeah, something like fake news, mm. you know what I mean? Being so prominent on the internet, I think it's, it's so important for Christians to write and to write well and clearly and persuasively, uh, theologically, you know, being accurate because the truth of God's word matters today mm-hmm. as it's always mattered. And truth matters, and so you know to 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 tell the truth, to, to, to tell the one, tell about the one who who gives truth, and uh, the one who's not just uh, offering us truth, but um, goodness and beauty as well. Um, I, I think it's 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 very important for us to to you know to uh, offer that to the world. Um, ultimately, you know the the most beautiful, the most good, and the most true thing that we can ever conceive of and it's not like we conceive of it but the 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 greatest most valuable thing in history is the cross of of jesus christ right and and the life death and resurrection of the son of god the son of man who who gave himself um for many and 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 that that message that um life-giving news is 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 what we can breathe into the world as God has breathed his breath into us, his spirit into us and given us this new life. That's what we offer the world. Mm. That's what we can share. And that's something that's different that the world doesn't have. Um, and it's true. <laughs> that's <laughs> so right. We need to offer that. Um, but um, unfortunately, man, I, I think that lately uh, it's, it's been very easy to get discouraged with Christian blogging because a lot of it's kind of a dog eat dog. Um, there's a lot of, <laughs> You know, whether it's plagiarism or um, bickering or fighting about um, kind of silly things and getting sidetracked or uh, everybody trying to race to be the most relevant, you know, um, come check it out. Like I even saw like a 
gosh, just news of uh, Tom Petty, um, Tom Petty's death. And, you know, I saw I saw news channels get it wrong um, because I, I, apparently he wasn't dead yet. I mean, it's pos- <laughs> I mean, that could be fake, fake news, you know, itself. But yeah. there were a few headlines going around and, and nobody was writing on it anymore. And then you kind of see like a lot of, you know, big Christian outlets are, are jumping on that thing. And then there's like radio silence for a while and you're just like oh my goodness like let's not rush to just be the first ones here let's let's be accurate let's be truthful and let's bring value to um you know to people um so that they can they can trust uh our content but ultimately so that they can actually trust god's word and and learn to believe that what he said is true so well and i think that's so important because and i'll just share a quick anecdote because it was just recently and it's and it goes it ties into what you were saying about <laughs> don't publish everything that you write. And it's really important because I remember when, um, you know, uh, just last, I guess, two weeks ago now, uh, when it was this sort of just an internet storm of noise regarding the protests in the NFL and everything that's going on. And I remember seeing, um, one side, but I remember seeing both sides of it and uh, people that are for what the players were doing. Then I would see some of my friends and uh, seeing their reactions to it. And I thought that some of them were pathetic. So I remember I wrote this really reactionary piece mm-hmm. and <laughs> I just remember thinking, well, after I finished it and it was probably good that I got it all out, but I had to think, is this truthful first and also, is this beneficial or am mm. I just adding to the noise? And I think right. sometimes people just add to the noise instead of being, like you said, a beneficial uh, encouragement to the bride of Christ. And I think we forget that, that we are we are Christ's bride. And so we are all a part of this big unit. And we're not, um, you know, like you said, we're, you see all these divisive uh pieces going back and forth and reactionary uh, blogs starting up. And it's, it's right. kind of discouraging to me. And mm-hmm. I think they're like, just like you said, there needs to be, we need to be truthful first. Uh, and I, cause that's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so important. And, and so, think, well, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, if you, no, no, you're no, leading no. the way, man, <laughs> you let me know. No, feel free. Really? Um, no, I mean, one of the things you're highlighting, though, is, is the importance, and since we're on the topic of, you know, kind of advice for young, young writers. I mean, we're all young writers, right? Um, so, but, but one of the things is, is, is that lesson from those who have, who have lived much longer mm. and who have experienced um, kind of the, 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 the side of that of, man, I wish I didn't write that. I wish I didn't say that. You know, I wish I went a, a, about my career a little bit differently. Um, because I would have brought a lot less hurt to people who are Christ's bride, mm. Christ's sheep. Um, and so, I, I mean, I remember like one of the, another, here's an anecdote for me, but um, one of the hardest things I had to do um, was sit on just a bomb academic paper that I wrote years ago. And I was like, man, this thing's awesome. Like, I, I, you know, and I don't even know how I did it. Cause I had a, you know, new baby and was watching, a, you know, one of our, one of our sons. And it was like a crazy time in life and all of that. But, you know, it was like an A plus, you know, paper and, you know, 
a professor I really respected said, Hey, you got to publish this. Um, but then I, I, you know, I was talking to a friend and, and another scholar about it and said, don't, <laughs> it's way too controversial. You know, why? I mean, that's the first thing that anyone's going to hear from me. Why would you write on that? Kind of just knocked sense into me, you know? And I was like, oh, but it's really good. And I know like, it's like cutting edge on research and, you know, it's going to, it's going to change the, the landscape of this forever. And, you know, and, and maybe it would have, you know, but, um, but I don't think anyone would have been ready for it. And I wouldn't have been ready for that either. Hmm. So, um, so I think that's important just, you know, to be patient and I, what is it, uh, the proverb, uh, like a, a word, uh, fitly spoken is like apples of gold, you know? Um, well, that also means that, you know, some apples aren't going to be gold. Oh, They're going to be rotten. <laughs> and you don't want to hand people a rotten apple to chew on. So, um, you know, it kind of applies to writing. Now somebody's going to, say well why'd you why'd you misquote that proverb but um (laughs) um, maybe this wasn't an apple of gold so (laughs) well let's get somewhat practical here um you you said you wrote two hundred thousand words a year and that's pretty incredible um personally i don't know how many that is for me but what sort of explain your process and i know this this (laughs) we talked about a little bit because you're bivocational. So uh, it maybe it kind of ties into this too. Your process of writing and your process of sermon prep probably look pretty similar in some instances. Uh, I know they do for me. So mm-hmm. kind of explain your, if you can, sort of your approach to that. And also maybe kind of like the specific tools that you use that help you, uh, that help you complete something like that. Yeah. Um... Oh man, it's a big, big conversation. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so what's the first question really quick? Um, sort of your approach to maybe both, but you can take it one at a time, your process of like maybe writing a piece, but also sermon prep. Cause I, I know for me, just speaking from experience, they are pretty similar. I don't know if that's the same uh, case for you though. Right. Yeah. I, I would say that, uh, there, there's a lot of crossover between the two. I mean, I, I, now this is not cutting edge. I use Microsoft word. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I mean, I, 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 whether it's sermon prep or, you know, a a blog post or an article to submit to a magazine, that kind of stuff, you know, um, or even, you know, book preparations, whatever it is that you're working on. I mean, the starting place is a blank sheet of paper Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I think I had it drilled into me early on in, uh, in seminary and kind of my first internship, but, um, you know, the importance, the role of prayer, um, when you're, when you're doing something that is, um, the study of God, that's theology, um, you know, to, to begin with, with prayer and to saturate, you know, prayer all the way through, um, to the end and kind of, kind of just be in, in conversation with the Lord on, on, on what you're writing about and to keep that on the forefront, um, so that we don't kind of cave into ourselves or our own like little, you know, hobby horses or, or pet things. Um, but, but we're, we're really thinking about, you know, what it is that we're doing, the purpose behind what we're doing. Um, so, um, process, I mean, starts with a blank page, um, man, right now it's, it's like survival. So I'm always just any chance I get any free moment. It's like, oh, I'm checking out an article, I'm reading 
you know, I have like 30 books on my desk right now. They're all open and I'm like circling around, you know, all the time, just going back and forth, you know, Oh, what was that? What was that that I was reading over there? You know, kind of running. Oh, that's at the house right now. That's on the kitchen counter. My wife's really mad about that. Got to go pick that up. You know, like it's just, it's kind of, it's chaotic right now. Um, I, you know, I don't have everything all in one place and it's not all perfectly everywhere. Um, so, but that's real life. Um, sending myself millions of emails. This is probably a very unproductive process, but I send myself like text messages and emails on something that just like comes to mind. It's almost like when you're in a shower and you're thinking about, Oh, that's, that'd be a great post idea, you know, except like for me, it's like when I'm driving, it's like, how am I, how am I going to get that? So I don't forget about it. (laughs) Okay. Siri, can you send Nick an email? You know, that, that kind of thing. Hopefully I don't get the wrong Nick because I know quite a few of those. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's kind of all over the place. Um, And that's, that's kind of the creative work that we do. Um, you know, but that's also the being made in the image of God of taking chaos and disorder and creating order out of that is, is what we're called to do mm-hmm. so that what we serve up to people, you know, isn't just a bunch of weird scrambled eggs with eggshells, but it's a nice meal, you know, like we want to give people something that they can really chew on and appreciate. Mm. So mixing metaphors there, that's, uh, sort of <laughs> So, but, um, yeah, uh, tools, I mean, nothing, nothing new. Um, um, yeah, uh, kind of, you know, finding something that, you know, where you can kind of read, uh, for, you know, for, for online writing, you kind of want to know what's been covered before. And so finding, you know, different apps or whatever to, to track, you know, what, what have people published and what have people said about this so that I don't say the same thing over and over again, and I can try to change it up a little bit. Um, that's important. So Feedly or, um, Google trends, or I don't know, just, I mean, there's so many different new apps and I hesitate to say anything because tomorrow it's going to all be irrelevant. Um, but the one thing that will never be irrelevant is the art of reading and creative reflection, Mm. you know, taking your own notes, doing your own study. Um, I mean, all all of that kind of carries over. And and so a lot of things I learned in seminary, I mean, translate in terms of method and, you know, how I do things and kind of life experience and pastoral ministry. That's, that's taught me a whole different set of things. Um, yeah, I wish I were being more helpful right now. Yeah. No, it's very good. Um, but it, it's and actually, kind of, that's... It, it, it's very human, I guess. <laughs> that's um, a, I, that's I, I like doing, I like doing theology in conversation too with others. Hmm. So, I mean, one of the things is um, me and my coworkers will go on walks and, and we'll just, you know, sometimes I'll maybe it's once a week or twice a week, you know, for that 10 minute walk, I'll just hammer out, Hey, this is what I've been thinking about right now. It's almost like a vent session of like, here's like all of this like stuff up in this cloud. And I'm going to just rain it down on you right now. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I got one guy who's like, yeah, that's a dumb idea. Don't ever say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You need to talk more about that. That's actually good. Here's some, you know, something that you could add to that. And I, I think when we're doing theology together like that, um, mm-hmm. when it becomes more conversational, it also really impacts, it becomes much more a part of you than if distant words on a page that's stored in the cloud. 
Um, so I don't know if that's helpful to anybody, but there it is. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's definitely helpful for me because I, I can, I can say, say from my own from experience, my experience, it's so, so important to surround yourself with people like that, that will, that you can engage in conversations with mm -hmm. and who, who you can really just share your, your raw thoughts and they can tell you, wow, you're really off base or no, you're sort of on the right track. Just think about this a little bit deeper. And I think that's so important, especially as a young preacher, um, <laughs> there's sort of a naivete, I guess, that you uh, bring to anything a little bit. And I think it's so important to have those people around you. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, the one thing that you said that was uh, kind of just struck me is that the art of reading, it'll never be irrelevant. And that's, <laughs> that's so important. I found myself, uh, I'm tr constantly trying to read and read deeper and also mm -hmm. just read more. Uh, I've, you know, for a while, I was only reading a, maybe a certain subgenre of theology instead of yeah. just opening myself up to the vast array of books that are out mm -hmm. there. And I think that's really important, too, is not just, you know, uh, you know, pigeonholing yourself into that sort of corner. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. And so that's a good segue, though, is to you said you had 30 books on your desk. Mm -hmm. I, don't know how literal that is, but uh, what, if you can, you don't have to mention all 30, but maybe what are some books? Yeah, you have a lot. <laughs> maybe what are some of the books that you're currently reading that are really impacting you, not only uh, writing wise, but uh, pastorally as well? Yeah, um, I think, I think one of the, the two most edifying books that I have that I keep on my work desk every day. And I, I consult throughout the day um, that kind of keeps me fresh and, and keeps my work prayerful um, are the, the book of common prayer. Now that might be surprising to some people because I'm a Presbyterian minister, <laughs> um, but I actually mostly look at it because of the Psalms in there. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's got a little, uh, Psalm section and, and, and it's just that, um, the translation's good, uh, good enough, um, uh, just to have some, uh, some sweet prayer of, 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 of reading a Psalm and reflecting on it. Um, and then another thing right now that that's been, um, edifying to me is, is, um, uh, Tim and Kathy Keller's, uh, uh, songs of Jesus, mm. super short. Um, it's almost like, you know, like, coming to the office a couple of minutes early and before I start work, just, you know, read through one, or if I didn't get around to it in the morning, um, you know, after, after I'm done, um, uh, with the, with a day's work, um, just, you know, reading a short little devotional and just kind of hitting the reset button on the day, almost like a mini sabbatical, um, <laughs> in the day, just to take a pause and, uh, uh pray to them, um, confess my sins, um, so, I mean, those are two vocational of so little time, mm. you know? Um, and, and so what, what I found most helpful is just finding something very simple like that, that, that it is not work. That's not sermon prep, mm. you know, that's not just trying to work to bless others and serve others, but that just is, is, is personally edifying to me so that I can, I can, 
you know, continue uh, in the Christian life <laughs> yeah. and not lose sight of, of, of what matters most. Um, one, one really edifying book though, um, since we're on the topic, uh, is, uh, is, uh, uh, teach us to want, um, by Jen Pollock, Michael, um, I probably butchered her name and hopefully she'll forgive me if she ever hears me saying her name somehow. Um, but, uh, it's a fantastic approach, um, kind of teasing out some of Jamie's, uh, Jamie Smith's, um, work. Um, but, uh, a female author, fantastic job of, you know, talking about our, our loves, you know, kind of like that you are, what you, what you love theme, um, drawing out um, that Augustinian notion of, of, of wanting, and yeah, so I'm, I basically have just gotten in the, in, in, through the beginning of that thing. Um, but it's been personally edifying so far. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I never finished the Benedict option. I can tell you all the books I haven't finished yet. <laughs> yeah, I have a long list of those too. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. Um, there's a lot on the to read list as well. That's right. Always growing. That's right. Always growing. And there's always a new one. Um, <laughs> always a new one that just came out. So especially with the reformation anniversary coming up, right. There's mm-hmm. a lot of books. So, yeah. Um, but you know, to piggyback on what you said, um, it's important to read deeply and, and widely or, or broadly mm-hmm. too often, you know, we do just kind of stay with what we know. And I think that's kind of the death of good preaching and the death of good writing mm-hmm. is when we just, you know, we're doing exactly what's just comfortable and, uh, and we cease to, to continue to nurture our relationship with, with books and the knowledge of other people and the knowledge of, of, of God, of who he is and who he's revealed himself mm-hmm. to be in Christ. So, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, you, you got to keep up reading, but, um, dads, I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Been, been for, uh, 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 um, yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> I liked what you said though when you said that you were reading these books to sort of um for your own soul, uh, because mm-hmm. I remember just speaking from experience, it's really easy to get into this mindset of reading to share and mm-hmm. that'll eventually empty yourself empty yourself of a lot of what you can say. Yeah. And so it's it's so important and I've found a sp- you know, just, you know, very recently that it's very important to uh, slow down what you're reading, but also just to read for your own soul's health, because uh, eventually you're just going to burn out if you're always just reading to share stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you will. I've done it. So (laughs) I remember in in college, I was in a a bunch of different, you know, uh, parachurch organizations and kind of thinking I was doing the work of the Lord and all that, you know, and it's just burnout, man, just doing way too much needing to kind of step back and, you know, rest, mm-hmm. uh, rest in the finished work of Christ, rest in, and be okay with not having it all figured out as a young man, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. being willing to sit under other teachers and be mentored and, and to be taught before trying to teach others. Um, so that's, I mean, that's an important thing too, is just to, to learn to listen. So Mm, that's really good. Well, and, uh, just quickly sort of as we 
wrap all these little things up is um, the thrust of what I do at Grace Upon Grace is somewhat bent towards young men, especially young men in ministry, just because I have a heart for guys who are seeking out the ministry and sort of um, opening their eyes to maybe what they might not expect is coming uh, for them. And so if you are allowed and to say one thing to a group of young men, uh, what, what do you think that one thing would be? One thing, huh? <laughs> Just one thing. You can, I'll give you three. I'm a Baptist, so it's okay. That's a little easier. Three point sermon. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I, I hesitate to speak too soon on that. I would, I kind of want to know where that, that group of, of young men are, you know, where are they with, with a lot of things? Um, I guess generally, um, generally don't jump in too soon. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a very discouraging work. And I think as young men, you know, we're, we're wide eyed and bushy tailed about the world, about our hopes and dreams. And man, we're just going to make such a great impact on, you know, for, for the sake of it and all this, stuff and and the world's really messy and the church is messier in a lot of ways there's a really hideous and ugly side of 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 christ's pride um and that can be very very discouraging if you're not really ready for ministry mm-hmm. so i i guess just a a kind of caution of of the work that you're doing the work that you're doing satan hates you mm. give you all the things that um, that will destroy you mm. and even good things that, Oh yeah, this is great. You know, it's another writing opportunity or it's another this. And it's like, that could be your own undoing. And so to, to, to not just jump into things just because it's there. Mm. No, but, that's a really good word because <laughs> it speaks directly to me. I remember just being that young, uh, wide eyed guy that just, wanted all the writing opportunities that I, I could get my hands on and that taking your time with that and being patient is hard, but it's fruitful in the long run. Um, patience and patience and endurance are things that, you know, uh, as an adolescent young guy, I wasn't very good at, but, uh, <laughs> I can look back now and be thankful that, uh, be thankful for a lot of grace in those, uh, my earlier years. <laughs> Well, Nick, I want to thank you for uh, coming on. I appreciate you making the time. I know your schedule is crazy, and I just really appreciate you weeding out this time for me, and I hope we get to uh, do this again soon. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, and uh, look forward to hopefully seeing you around soon. Next time you're in San Diego, let me know. (laughs) Yeah, for sure I will. (laughs) All right, thanks, Nick. Thanks again to Nicholas for taking the time to come on the show today. I pray you found this conversation as enriching and encouraging as I did. Be sure to connect with him on Twitter and make sure you head over to corechristianity.com where you can find a slew of great uh, Christian gospel resources. You can also find all those links in the show notes. And that's it for today's episode of Ministry Minded. Thanks so much for listening along. If you like what you just heard, be sure to follow the show on Twitter. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on YouTube. Thanks again to the Christian Standard Bible for sponsoring this show. And I thank you, as always, for listening, commenting, and subscribing. I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings. Thank you.